Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the Word of God being read by Andy. We thank you, God, for Brandon and the team just leading us through musical promises, Lord, that we can claim this morning. God, our hearts are full because Jesus Christ is alive. And Lord, for every Christian in this room, Lord, we know it. Deep in our souls, we know that Jesus is alive and waiting for us in heaven. God, that's such good hope. It's real hope, Lord. It's hope that's not made up or fabricated. Lord, you have saved by your grace so many in our church. And God, you just, you just so desire to love your children well this morning, to give us hope in this life and to give us hope for eternal life. And God, we just pray that your spirit would do a great work inside of us as we continue to look into your word. God, may the promises of you resonate inside of us in such a way that we would be really and genuinely changed. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Easter service. Uh, My name is Josh. I'm the preaching pastor. Happy Easter to you guys. Yeah, happy Easter. This is really exciting. Uh, It's an exciting morning because Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. Amen. And uh, we know that Christ is alive if you're a believer because his spirit lives inside of us. Amen? Lives inside of us. And we have new life through the good news of Jesus. And um, so as we get into the word of God, I I want to get there. I need to make a, a brief rabbit trail story if I could as I welcome you to Easter. Um, so some of you have, have wondered, you've asked about my scar on my forehead <laughs> this morning. And so I just want to let you know that I did indeed fight a mountain lion. <laughs> and the mountain lion is dead. And this is what I got. I got a scratch. Just kidding. That story would be really cool. But that is not true. Um, I might have gotten this by literally walking into a door. That, that might have happened. Okay, it actually did on Friday morning. I'm moving through my house at 5.15 in the morning. It's pitch black dark. And every dude, how do, you, how do you move through your house early in the morning when it's pitch black dark? How do you do that? All, God, all God's men say muscle memory, right? You just slide, you know, steps. I, I know exactly which, how many feet I should walk. I know exactly where I'm going. So I'm walking through the dark, and there was a hallway door left open. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm walking through my house. I'm like, okay, straight through the hallway to the left to the garage, and off to prayer meeting we go. I walk straight into this door. I, I am not joking with you, church, that I saw a light. And I raised my hands. I was like, oh, Jesus, I see you. I see you. So, so I know the Lord is resurrected and real because I just saw him Friday morning. Uh, but I really did see a light. It hurt really bad. And, uh, and now I have the scar that you see before me. So, um, so I wish my story was mountain lion and cool, but it's not. Um, so that's the story. And uh, we are in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, we are reading verse 3, and we're going to, in this sermon, um, it's an Easter message, so it's going to be a little more topical. And we're going to be jumping from 1 Peter 3 to Mark chapter 8, and then back 
um, over to Acts 2 and then back into 1 Peter. And so I, I just want to just let you know that that's kind of where we're going this morning. And uh, I want to start with just, uh, just an illustration, as, if I could. So uh, we're saying welcome, yep, and thank you to the staff. Uh, but here's where I want to go. Okay. <laughs> if, if nothing else speaks to you about Easter, I, I don't know if Tigger and Eeyore can do it better, right? So, so Tigger and Eeyore, you guys know Winnie the Pooh world, you know this. Um, Tigger and Eeyore, Tigger is full of energy, right? He's always bouncing, 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 bouncing. And, and he is about the exact opposite of Eeyore. Eeyore is, all right, get off my lawn, Tigger, right? And, uh, and ultimately, this is more of a metaphor for our, for our sermon as we approach 1 Peter. Um, as we approach Easter, some of us are Tiggers, right, this morning? Can't wait for Easter. This is so exciting, right? And, and some of you are straight up Eeyores, straight up, where you're just like, he's risen again? Like, seriously? He was risen last year, you know? Like, and we're doing this again? Now, here's the reality. The older we get, and this is more of a general statement about life, the older we get, the, the more we lose our passion, right? Can I get a witness, right? Isn't that true? Yeah, right? In the flesh, this is what happens. You might start life looking like Tigger, and, and you probably, as you progress through this sin-cursed world, you get a little bit cynical. Can I get a witness? You're a little bit cynical, and you become a little bit more like Eeyore as you go, because life is hard, and a lot of times you develop kind of a spiritual mentality of an Eeyore, where you're just like, spiritually, get off my lawn, right? And, and, and you can't stand the unrealistic optimism of youth, right? You see the, the youth person who's just really excited about Jesus, excited like Tigger, really excited about Jesus. And you're like, oh, you just wait. You just wait. You don't know how stinky this life is and how broken this world is. And let me tell you some stories, right? Now, there's some balance to be struck here because to be Eeyore is not all bad. I mean, it, life does teach you things, right? You do have to have perspective, and sometimes your perspective is a really good thing because it, it, it's maturity speaking. But sometimes it, you can lose, as, as the Apostle John said in Revelation, you can lose your first love. The love for Jesus, the love for the resurrection, the love of the excitement of the gospel. And sometimes we can, can be this Tigger and Eeyore kind of thing. And so the resurrection of Jesus is very powerful and it's very real. But here's, here's, the, here's the question, right? The question that we have to ask this morning is, is Easter just an emotional pump-up session? Is that what we're doing here? Are we just doing like an, an emotional pump-up session where I don't care what, what's going on in your life, you just got to feel good this morning. Feel good. Be Tigger. Jump up and down. Pastor, jump up and down. Brandon, jump up and down. Feed, feed me emotional stimulation. Um, Peter is going to say no. The gospel of Jesus is built on a lot more than just emotional pump-up sermons or emotional pump-up services. Easter delivers not just emotional pump-up sessions, but it delivers real hope, amen? amen? For real people like you and me in real life. 
Like if the gospel of the resurrected Jesus doesn't get you real hope in your life right now, then you got to re-examine the gospel you're believing in. Because it's more than just an emotional thing. Easter is not less than emotion. You should feel emotion about Jesus. You should feel encouragement when you sing and you hear the word of God. But Peter is going to tell us this morning, it's more than emotional pump-up sessions. It is real hope in real life for real people. Now, when I was younger, um, 12 years ago at this church, one of our first deacons, his name was Mike. And when I was 27, uh, he would come up to me. We're starting the church, just getting it going. And he would come up to me often, often after a sermon. And he would come up to me, and he was middle-aged at that point, and he would put my, his hand on my shoulder. And he would say, Pastor, great sermon. Okay, now look, that's being very gracious. Can I get a witness? I mean, for a 27-year-old preacher, that's very gracious. He said, great sermon. And then he would lean in. You know, he'd lean in, look in my eyes, and he'd say, don't ever lose your passion. And as a 27-year-old preacher, it was good for me to hear a guy more in middle-aged life in that stage to say, don't ever lose your passion. And at 27, I was like, Mike, piece of cake, no big deal. I won't lose my passion. I don't even know what you're talking about, man. Twelve years later, I'm beginning to understand more and more what Mike meant when he said, don't lose your passion. Because in this world, it is easy to see the gospel, Jesus Christ, life, death, resurrection, and to have it be an exciting thing while you're young. But as, as you continue to move on in your Christian life, it becomes a harder thing. Not as an emotionally as exciting, right? And then, and then there's real trials that come and you're like, maybe, maybe this, the whole thing is just kind of too difficult for me. Have you ever been there? Don't lose your passion. That's what Peter is saying. Now the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It gives real hope for real people in real time. But it hits us differently depending on where we are in life. And Peter, no doubt, as he writes 1 Peter 1.3, he is telling us something really significant, but he's been through multiple stages of following Jesus. Peter is over 60 when he's writing the letter of 1 Peter. He had been through the, the young stage where he was following Jesus and everything was really exciting and the gospel was really beautiful and shiny and wonderful. And Peter had also followed Jesus through the middle stages of his life where he had to stand and preach and, get, and suffer and be persecuted for the faith. And Peter had also now been in this stage of being an older saint, just two years away from being crucified upside down by Nero, two years away from his death. And he's writing these words to us. And let's just check these words out. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
So Peter is saying that God in his amazing grace has reached down to sinners like you and me, lost, proud, arrogant sinners as we are, and he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. That's good news. That's real. How did he do that? Through the resurrection of the dead. So, G- so Peter is saying the vehicle by which we get living hope into our lives is through the resurrection of Jesus. The reality that Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. He rose out of the tomb three days later. The victorious resurrection of Jesus over death. That is the vehicle that you and I are going to get in our lives to get living hope. Okay? So if you don't have a good grip or confidence on the resurrection... You're not going to have a lot of hope in this life. Now, we love to be emotionally stirred up, do we not? We love it. Even this morning, you're coming to Easter with excitement, and you should be excited. Because Jesus is alive, amen? Okay. It's part of who we are. We get emotional about things. We get excited about things. We get stirred up about things, like Cubs fans on opening day. (laughs) Cubs fans are the eternal optimists. It's going to be different this year. It's only been different one year in the last 107. But Cubs fans get emotionally tied up, right? And we're that way. We, we, We get pumped up for things. Concerts things that we really love, watching our kids grow and and do their things. We get excited about stuff. But if you're just emotional without real hope, if you're not connected to the real hope of Jesus, you're going to find that all the emotional stuff of this world is going to lead you to bad places. If you're just getting emotional and trying to hope in this world, you're going to get depressed, exhausted, debilitated, and discouraged. Emotional living, apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, without real hope, it leads us to addiction. Our culture is full of addiction, is it not? Amen? I mean, we are addicted to all kinds of worldly things that aren't tied to the resurrection of Jesus. And when we get addicted to worldly things, it wrecks our lives. Wrecks our lives. So you can go into drugs and talk about that, heroin, cocaine, nicotine, alcohol, and all that stuff, and you could say, hey, if I buy into that, if I want to get emotionally stimulated into this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to feed me hope for a little bit. And then it's going to wreck my life. And if you don't do drugs, uh, you all do the drugs of technology, right? We all do that drug, don't we? Where every time I look at a screen, I'm looking for joy and emotion and experience. And, and, and that little screen and me doing this on it it, it, it drops dopamine into my mind, into my brain. Literally, that's what it does. It literally cultivates me into emotional experience, but it's not tied to the resurrection of Jesus. So if I spend too much time on my phone, I might get stimulated in that moment. But afterwards, I feel terrible. I feel lost. I feel hopeless. And maybe, you know, we're, we're, we're just kind of a mess as a culture. Can we say that? We eat a lot of food, yet we're not satisfied. 
We, um, we compete in athletics. We love athletics. We're, we're sports crazed in this culture. And yet, we're, we're, are we truly winning in life? We want power, but we don't know what to do with it. We're broken sinners when we live emotionally apart from the solid hope of the resurrection of Jesus. But Peter, as he's writing 1 Peter 1.3, as he's writing, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he's doing that, I mean, this guy's 60 plus years old. Right? He, he doesn't need emotional stimulation, right? He doesn't need all the, the showy stuff. He doesn't need Brandon to hit all the right notes at the exact right time. He doesn't need to be emotionally pumped up. He's 60 plus years old. He's past all that. Can I get a witness? Peter's past all that. He is, he is in jail. He's a few years away from his own death. He needs something more than emotions. He needs emotions built on truth. And that truth is the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus doesn't give you an emotional pump-up session only. He gives you real hope in real life. Praise God. And so in the midst of this, I want, I, we're going to just follow Peter. We're going to follow his life. When he was young, when he was middle-aged, and, and now that he is old. And we're going to see that his hope is built on something more than just emotion. And it has been since he was young and middle-aged and old. He has been building on the solid hope of the resurrection of Jesus. Okay? So let's look at this together. So Peter was introduced to this real hope as a younger man. Okay, and this is in Mark chapter 27 through 29. This is really good stuff here. So Jesus goes with his, disi- his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And as they're going, he asks them, who do people say that I am? Who do, what are people saying about me? And the disciples are saying, well, some people say you're Elijah. Some people say that you're, you know, the, a prophet of God. And then he asks them, well, who do you say that I am? Peter, young Peter looks at Jesus and he says, you are the Christ. That is a good confession. Amen? Like Jesus had just fed 16,000 people at one time. He had just um, healed a blind guy on the road. I mean, they are watching Jesus. He's kind of a rock star. And Peter kind of feels like a fellow rock star walking around with Jesus. And he's like, man, you are the Christ, dude. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You are a rock star of all rock stars right now. It's a good response, right? And then Jesus um, continues this conversation in, in Mark 8, 31. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and after three days, rise again. There's the resurrection. Jesus is telling his disciples about the resurrection before it happens. But he's also talking about suffering. And what does Peter do when he hears Jesus talking about this? (laughs) He has no place for this in his life. Peter has no time for such talk of suffering and death and resurrection. Doesn't even understand it. Goes like, right over his head. Because for Peter, Peter has a very genuine confession of Jesus and a very genuine belief in Jesus. But you know what Peter doesn't have? He doesn't have experience yet. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't have the depth. He doesn't understand the full weight of the gospel yet. And so he, he, he takes uh, Jesus and he begins to rebuke Jesus. Now, can you picture yourself in verse 32? 
Jesus, let me pull you aside and rebuke you. You're rebuking God. That's a problem. And all of a sudden, Peter, who was just praised for his confession, you're the Christ. You're the Christ. All of a sudden, Jesus is looking at him saying, hey, Satan, skip behind me. <laughs> Poor Peter. Mountaintop valley. Mountaintop valley. Have you ever felt like that when you walk with Jesus, right? God, I was doing so good. Yeah, you're not doing good, Satan. Get behind me. It's a big deal. Peter had no time for suffering, resurrection. Peter had the, um, the undefeated, always winning, always victorious Jesus in his mind, right? You need to always be victorious, man. The kingdoms, you got to always be on top. You got to be, you got to be victory over everything all the time. One victory after another victory, man. That's what we're going for. Emotional high after emotional high. And that's where Peter was at. And Jesus says, listen, great confession, but you don't get it yet. You will suffer. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to go to the cross. You're going to suffer greatly. There's going to be death involved here. And there will be resurrection involved here. And this, Peter, is what you need to understand. That your hope is built on the reality of your confession plus the reality of my suffering and my death and my resurrection from the dead. So what does this all mean? Well, Peter's faith was genuine and his hope was real. But it just wasn't mature. So what does this mean for us? Well, there's, there's a lot of younger people in our church, both services, and there's younger believers, people that just have been baptized in the last two or three months. And here's, here's what I want you to understand. Your confession as a younger person is beautiful and wonderful, and we rejoice in it. Amen? We rejoice in the new believers in our church. We rejoice in the, the joy and the zeal and the passion. Honestly, new Christians, you can teach us old Christians a thing or two about joy. Amen? And zeal and love and passion for Christ. I just want to speak to you, younger person. The glory of who you are is your strength. Proverbs 20, verse 29 says, The glory of young men is their strength. And for you, young person, you love big concerts, big events, health and wellness, strength and stability. You love all that stuff. We love that about you. Be ready for suffering. If you're a Christian who's younger, be ready for suffering. Endure. Hard times are coming. Death is coming. Persecution might be coming. Your confession of Christ is amazing. Stick with it by the grace of God. Hold on to your hope. Secondly, Peter um, took his stand on this hope as a middle-aged man. And this is Acts 2, 32-38. So the context of Acts 2 is the first sermon of the church. So this is fast forward from Mark 8. Okay, Peter is now... Um, he's now seen Jesus resurrected. He's been restored by Christ. He has denied Christ. He's been restored to Christ. Now he is um, um, sitting in an upper room, praying the Holy Spirit comes down, and all of a sudden he finds himself, along with 12 others, standing in front of thousands of people preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this is where we find Peter in his middle age. As he's starting to approach his middle age, 
Um, Peter ends his sermon by saying this, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Peter stood before this crowd of thousands and he said, Jesus is risen from the dead. That takes some courage. Can I get a witness? He's middle-aged. He's moving into this middle-aged season of his life. And now all of a sudden, like, it was, it was cool before. It was convenient for him to follow Jesus when Jesus is the rock star to follow. Jesus is in heaven now. And he finds himself standing in front of thousands. And it's not Jesus preaching the sermon anymore. It's him preaching the sermon. What's going on in Peter's mind? I better really believe this resurrection thing. <laughs> right? Before you stand in front of thousands, you better be sure that this is true and real and be willing to die for it. So that's how Peter began to work through his middle-aged life as he, as he began this real hope. Now, the rest of the book of Acts, if you want to read it, is a story of Peter working through his middle-aged years as a, an apostle of God, preaching, suffering, counseling, doing all these things, being a leader. And not only was it just young and fun, now it was really hard and he had to make it a priority in his life to set his hope in Christ. So, if something is fake in your life, will you stand for it? Like, if something's just a sham in your life, will you, will you go to bat for it? Will you die for it? Will you suffer for it? Of course not. Like, of course not. But that's the reality of what Peter was facing as a middle-aged guy. He was, at a, he was at a crossroads. Did you know Peter had a family? He probably had a lot of other priorities in his life. He went back to fishing for a little while. But here he was again in Acts 2, standing and saying, my hope, my faith is in the resurrected Jesus. And I'm not ashamed to tell you guys about it. I'm not ashamed to lead you toward it. And I'm not ashamed to passionately proclaim it. Now, some of you um, don't know who Chuck Colson is. Some of you do. Okay, Chuck Colson, Charles Colson, was one of the masterminds behind the Watergate scandal in 1972. June 17th, 1972, for some of you, you remember this like it was yesterday. Um, for, for most of us, you're like, what is Watergate? <laughs> right? Well, it was this massive scandal in Washington, D.C., political in nature and powerful in nature. Charles Colson was one of the, the leaders in, underneath uh, Richard Nixon and his campaign. It was a, just a mess of lies and deception and, and corruption and a lot of money, a lot of power. That was abused. Chuck Colson came to Jesus, amen? He came to Christ, got saved, 1975. And he was talking about the reality of the resurrection because that, that is something that's probably in the back of many of your minds is, did Jesus really raise from the dead? I mean, can we really, with 100% confidence, hold on to this reality? And Chuck Colson said, I know the resurrection is a fact. And Watergate proved it to me. How? How did Watergate prove it? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured if it weren't true. 
Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world. And they could not keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Isn't that encouraging? That is encouraging. It's a great example of if it were a lie, you'd just give it up at some point. Like if someone's going to torture you, kill you, crucify you, put you away from your family, fine you lots of money, put you out of the society because you won't recant of a lie, then, I mean, like, nobody would do that. If it was a lie, everybody would be like, no, I want my, my house. I want my money in my bank account. I don't want to get hurt. Don't hurt me for this. And all of a sudden, like, it's not true. You let it go. But if it is true, if the resurrection is true, then the, the witness of the apostles is 40 years of suffering and doing, hey, do whatever you got to do to me. Kill me, hurt me, take everything away from me. I will not deny that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen? This is the kind of testimony we latch on to as Christians. We are not following some myth or skeptical tale. We are following facts. And those facts you can trace for 2,000 years of Christians who have been willing to die for Jesus no matter what comes. So how, what does that have to do with middle age? Everything. Peter at, at middle age with lots of other priorities that he could have had. Career, fishing, family, take care of your family. He stood and preached at great risk to himself. He made that conviction of hope real. And if I could just admonish you this morning, if you're middle-aged, I admonish the youth, now I want to admonish you if you're middle-aged. If you're middle-aged, you've got so many other things on your plate right now. You've got mortgages you're paying off. You've got kids you're raising. You've got, you know, the picket fence that you want to build. You've got the, the houses and the cars and the material stuff. And you want, you want more money, better job, good retirement. You want to maybe live vicariously through your kids by watching them play sports. You want to do all these things. And I'm just pleading with you and I'm pleading with myself because I'm in the same stage of life. It's easy to jettison our hope in Jesus for everything else that the world is telling us we need to spend our time on. And I just want to implore you as middle-aged believers to don't buy the dream. Don't buy the American dream. Jesus is raised from the dead and there is nothing more important than that fact in our lives. Praise God. And it's going to take us intentionally saying no to everything this world offers so that we can stand and testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what it costs us. And in the next five to ten years, all you middle-aged believers, I believe this, in the next five to ten years, we could see a massive test in our society and our lives for how far we are willing to go to stand for Jesus. How much does the resurrected Jesus mean to you? We'll find out. And by the grace of God, may we stand. May we never be ashamed of the resurrected King. God is attacking middle-aged believers with marriage stuff and job stuff and parenting stuff. And it's close to my heart because I am in this stage. And I'm just saying... 
by God's grace, may we stand for the resurrected King and never let him go. Peter lived that out. And Peter, as an old man, he rested in the real hope that he had. He rested in this as an old man. 1 Peter 1.3, we've already read it a couple times, but this is, um, this is so true. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our, our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us, us, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And if you're taking notes, you circle our and you circle us. Who's Peter talking to? Who's the old guy talking to? He's talking to every recipient of this letter. He's talking to believers all over the Roman Empire who are reading this letter. And he is, as an old believer, he is not only saying, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, but he's saying, hey, this is our Lord Jesus, and this is us. This is, he's caused us together to be born again. Peter is highly admonishing other younger Christians to hold on to the resurrected Christ. I don't know about you, but that is a powerful testimony of the validity of the resurrection. When you believe in something, you know what you do when you're excited about something? You start talking about it. Amen? Man, you start talking about the afternoon and the weather. If you really enjoy the weather today, you're going to be like, whoa, this is awesome. If you really enjoy a relationship or a significant other, you're going to talk about that person all the time to the other people that you're around if you really love your kids or love your whatever, love some really good food at lunch today, you're going to start talking about it because it's valid in your life. Peter, at this age, his character was tried and true. He had been through the ups and downs of life and ministry. He had found Jesus to be good and to be near his heart through all the hard things Jesus took him through. He wasn't hard-hearted or bitter as an old, old man. That's good. He wasn't disillusioned by sin and ambition. He didn't have any real ambition. As an older guy, he knew that the end was near. He knew it. And he was all the more confident that he was going to see his friend Jesus soon. And he was not only that, he was encouraging other people to believe and hold on tight to the hope of the resurrection of the dead. He was shepherding believers. Peter was at peace. Don't you sense that in this? He's at peace. He's at rest. Did you know Peter's last admonition to any, any Christian is in 2 Peter 3.18? And he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the last thing he said. His heart is that he's going to see Jesus again. And Nero cannot touch Peter. How cool is that? Nero, the Caesar, is going to take his life, crucify him upside down. Peter's like, you can't touch me, man. You can't touch me. I'm free. Because my hope is not in Rome. My hope is in the king that I'm going to go see very soon. So, perhaps Jesus' words were ringing in Peter's ears, you know? Those words that Jesus said to Martha as they were heading into Bethany in John chapter 11. They're coming in. Martha comes out to meet him. 
And Jesus said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. No one who believes in me, though he die, will ever die. He will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Maybe Peter was thinking about that scene, potentially. As I admonish older believers, seasoned saints among us, I would just encourage you to rest. Rest in what? Rest in the reality that you're closer to meeting Jesus than the younger saints are, unless Jesus returns, something crazy happens. So in the midst of that, rest in your confidence. If you're an older Christian, be like Peter. Rest in your confidence and not only be confident of your own view of Jesus as you resurrect and go meet him, but tell the younger believers to keep holding on because God is faithful and good. So I ask the question again here, is Easter just an emotional pump-up session or is it something real, something different? I think Peter would say, well, it's emotional, that's for sure. But it's more than just a pump-up session. It's genuine. It's from the heart. Jesus Christ is real. And Christians, if you know him as your Lord and Savior, you have so much to take joy in. So I want to conclude by talking to first non-Christians and then Christians. So first, non-Christian, do you need some real hope this morning? Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need some real hope this morning. And I'm going to tell you that Peter is telling you that Jesus is ready to save you. He's ready to save you now. If you don't know Christ and you don't have hope and you're trying to figure it all out and you don't know why this world's so screwed up, Jesus died to forgive you of your sins and to help you make sense of all of it. So I would invite you, if you're not a Christian, to come and believe. Repent and believe. In fact, Peter would say it this way. He, would said, he said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter would say, repent. Change your mind. Change your mind right now. Receive the hope that is there. And for some of you who are believers, do you need some real hope this morning? Yeah, you do. If you're a young believer, middle-aged believer, elderly saint, Jesus is alive. Amen? He is alive, alive, alive. And he is here to carry you through the highs and lows of life. He is there to bless you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Jesus is alive and he is, he is here to emotionally stir you up and encourage you, but he's here to do so much more. He is here to hug you when you're weeping. He's here to help you make sense of what's going on in your life. And there are things in life that don't make any sense from a human level. And we need the risen Jesus to come talk to us. Amen? Believer, you need the resurrection this morning because you need the resurrected Christ to comfort your heart when you don't have answers. And Jesus, not only for this life, but he, he's going to get you ready for heaven. So, all right, all the way back home to Tigger and Eeyore. 
Are you Tigger this morning or are you Eeyore? The resurrected king is alive. So I'm going to tell you, be, let's be Tigger this morning with some depth. Amen? I want a lot more than, you know, a lot more than that. You should have the joy, but have some depth of theology with it. And by the grace of God, let's put our hope in the king. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to dig into your word, Lord. It's, it's real hope for real people in real life. The resurrection of the dead, God, it gives us so much hope for the future that we will see our loved ones again, that we will be resurrected through the grace of Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, all the things that are breaking our hearts right now will be made right in the resurrection of the dead. So, Lord, would you encourage every heart of every Christian here that we would be so joyful and emotionally thankful for the resurrection of Jesus and that we would walk victoriously over sin and struggle and death and hell. We would walk victoriously over those things through Christ. And Lord, if there's even one person here who's just lost, hopeless, may they trust in Jesus this morning. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, may they put their full faith in what Christ has done and receive eternal life. God, help us to respond to you well. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand up together.